Welcome, welcome, all you cinephiles out there. It's me, Kirk, and your co-host, the better half of me, Mr. Cam Wiggs. How you doing today, Cam? Fantastic, Kirk. How are you? I'm doing so good. A little tired because it's late in the evening, yes. but man... Am I pumped to be here? Thank you for tuning in. That's right, tuning in. You you must have gotten here by accident by dialing your radio to your ham get here. radio. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember tuning into things, Cam? I used to play a game with your your sister, my wife, that we would press the scan button yeah, on yeah. the car. No, I definitely remember the scan button. Like I, I would do that. I wouldn't like what, you know, when I came around, presets were around, so I didn't have to do a lot of, like, searching for things, but it, it would come up. You know, you're, you're driving, you're on a road trip, you know, you don't know what the listings are, you hit the old scan button. Yeah, I'm, I'm old enough to remember those days. Excellent. My first car was a 1995 Oldsmobile. Now, it did Ooh. have presets, but a lot of the times I was in areas, like, driving to and from college with it where yeah. it would be the presets wouldn't work. So I did have to tune it. I did have to tune it. And it was quite, uh, quite a doctor move. I felt like a surgeon, if you will. I'm really glad that you and I were born just before the digital age. Like, like it was, it was here, but it wasn't like here, here, like the internet was around, but people weren't using it the way that they're using it. Now cell phones were around, but they weren't like what they are now because our stories for our children are going to make us sound ancient. I mean, just <laughs> so old, like even older than what our parents sounded like to us because the technology is just so different now than it was when we were children. So I'm like, I feel very fortunate to have experienced that stuff. Like the bunny ears on the TV, the, yep. yeah, the tuning of the radio, like the CD player. Like I'm so thrilled that we will have experienced all of that. Yeah, even literally rolling down a window. You know, I often say yeah, absolutely. to my kids, hey, roll down the window. They say roll down the window, but they don't know why. Yeah, they have no uh, idea why. No. no idea. And it's a beautiful thing. My 1995 Oldsmobile had a rolling yeah, <laughs> get that a thing working. window. <laughs> and God help you if it was freezing cold outside and that crank wouldn't oh. go. I mean, it was game over. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. But I like to think that, um, you know, the scan button was kind of like the shuffle button is now, you know? Yeah. And so here we are. We're we're in it. We're spilling popcorn on the latest and greatest of streaming TV, Marvel, MCU, Disney Plus. What if? It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Before we dive in, though, Cam, I got got another question to ask you. I'm so excited I can't even get the words out. I need to know... What are your um, MCU rankings, your MCU Avenger power rankings? I need your top three, uh, specifically the MCU, because it's a little bit smaller than the entire world, because there's so many characters we haven't seen yet. So tell me your top three on the spot. My favorite Avengers? Yeah. Okay. You know that I always overthink these things. Um, Yes. So are we talking like... (laughs) If they have appeared in an, in an MCU movie as a hero, they count, or do they have to have operated in an avenging capacity? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's too much. Okay. Oh, so they, they do not have to have their standalone. They don't have to have a standalone film. Yeah. But they have but to like have been in the But if they were on the good universe. guy side of Endgame, they count? They could be on the bad guy side. Oh, okay. Um, do you want to pick Nebula? Well, no, but she was kind of on the good guy side too. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't pick her. 
nothing against her, but I just wouldn't. <laughs> okay, so I would say that my favorites are. Oh, this is tough. Well, well, I'm not going to do top three in any particular order, but my top three, just generally speaking, are Hulk. I've always loved Hulk. Yes. Uh, all-time character f- favorite of mine. Captain America. And then I got to go Wanda. Just because of the Very power. Nice. The power. I lo- I'm, I'm obsessed with the power, and she's got it going on, man. Very nice. Very nice. I would go actually very traditional Thor, my number one. And this is in order. Thor, Captain America, and then Iron Man. Mm. And so many people would put Iron Man as number one. And he is great. Yes. He is great. Um, Yeah. I I think my picks are based off of like, if I'm going into battle, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like that's who I want in my corner. I feel like that's a balanced three. Your three is great as well for that reason. Um, I think Iron Man's a solid pick, but there's always the wild card of like, you know, he's just a dude at the end of the day. Like he ended <laughs> up, he ended up saving the day in, the, in a major way, uh, obviously. Right. But if it all goes down and the, and the, and his weaponry is not working or is compromised, mm-hmm. like it's just him, you know, put on the suit, take off the suit. Who are you? Right. Just like captain tells him. Yep. Um, I think, I think it's great. Uh, I know your affinity for the Hulk and I yes. have an affinity for, uh, Thor. It makes sense. Uh, it makes, it makes sense why we're so close. I just think of us as Thor Ragnarok. Yes. We are. That's right. We are Chris Hemsworth Yin and, and Mark Ruffalo. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I love this. So with, without further ado, of course, this episode is all about Thor. It's about, um, you know, what if Thor was an only child? There's which uh, technically in a way he is there's Hela, but she's gone out of the picture yep. and then there's Loki, but you know, he's not really his brother, but they live as brothers. Right. So yes. it's, it's, it's a very strange concept uh, to, to think this up. It's very, it's very mental, if you will. It's very cerebral as this whole series is right. So this episode is wildly fun because yes. it's Chris Hemsworth in his role, in his element, uh, they're definitely playing to him in in the writing and in the animation. I like to imagine that he was recording this, like dancing around the studio at times. Um, he's totally unhinged. He has no responsibility, so he can just do literally whatever he wants with the vocals and uh, as the character as they drew him, which is super fun. His um, unbridled spontaneity in this pairs even better with Natalie Portman's Dr. Jane Foster. I feel like um, they're not, they're even more polar opposites because he's not leaning toward his story arc until the end of this episode versus Thor, the film where it's like, you know, he's steadily progressing kind of right of what, right away. Um, what did you feel about getting a full episode of, as they say, party Thor? Yeah, I, I thought so many things, but my, my initial thought was what a great vocal performance by Chris Hemsworth, which I thought was awesome. I, you know, we have to be eternally grateful to Taika Waititi for what he was able to unlock with Chris Hemsworth and this Thor character, because I think there was a, there was just this sort of like unspoken sense of restraint on that character through the first few movies that he appeared in, even including the Avengers films that, um, you know, Taika with his Thor Ragnarok movie really just stripped down to bare bolts and was like, listen, we don't have to be confined to anything that has happened before, you know, understanding what Chris Hemsworth can do comedically, which he's stellar 
on that side. I think that he he's really an underrated comedic actor. And so this episode wouldn't have been possible without the groundwork that was laid in Thor Ragnarok. And for that reason, it played really, really well. Um, so I liked it. I liked it a lot. And this was, you know, perhaps expectedly the most absurd episode of what if so far. And I was glad, you know, I was, I was glad like that was what I was anticipating and that's what I got. So it was good. Excellent. Excellent. I also love some other highlights here in the butta. I also loved that uh, his mother Frigga is feared more than anything in the entire galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just like simply the mention because... of her name was like struck fear in, in everybody who was there. Like they were terrified. Yeah, I mean, it really was like the party and it's like, oh, no, mom is coming home. We must clean up the party. Um, But in like times one million, because not only is she mom, she's, as we know, in as guardian master warrior, you know, she almost takes uh, Loki out in the MCU. Like she gets pretty close, pretty close. True. Um, the, you know, what's, what's so cool about this is also that, you know, the tables have turned, uh, quite literally, you know, Thor is all party, all party, all party. And then at the end, when he's asking for everyone's help, they're like, no, let's keep the party. You know, he kind of encouraged them, which kind of expresses, uh, him as a leader, his impact as a leader. Like, he's like, no, throw, throw your words away. Let's do this. And then when it clicks in his head, he's like, Oh, I should have been listening. Uh, let's, Hey guys, let's, you know, we had our fun, but let's go ahead and clean this mess up. And they're like, no, 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 we're rolling out. What a, what a mess. Uh, what a party pooper you are. Right. Uh, how do you feel this might impact if this leads into season two? Do we see some more of the people that we, more of the characters we saw at the party just being absolute reckless throughout the galaxy? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting because they had, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy were there at various points. You know, Drax and Rocket were shown. Nebula was shown uh, all kind of like on a bender. Like Rocket was like passed out. <laughs> Drax was like puking his guts out. Uh, so uh, even Surtur was, was there. Uh, you know, the big fire Ragnarok demon guy uh, was there causing a ruckus so it was pretty funny like this this take on the on the marvel universe is is pretty comical in general so i don't know if that will continue on but it looks to be that this storyline will tie directly into the next episode which focuses on that you know vision ultron combo that they're working on so i'll be interested to see which characters carry over or how you know, this seemingly absurd and hilarious episode ties into a much more serious multiversal event within Ultron vision combo that has all six infinity stones. Yes. I, and I also wonder, you know, we're still waiting for the bigger tie, right? Like what if this is it? What if, what if this, uh, you know, this un unhinged, un, tethered Thor um, who has just gotten over his mental anguish over, uh, over how he took care of, uh, the world, the universe, the blip uh, coming off of Endgame. Like, what if this ties directly into his healing in the MCU? We're still waiting for that tie. I just want something big, and this seems like it could be big enough to tie through. Yeah, and, you know, this is a Thor who has suffered really no loss, you know, which is which is significant too. I think that his carefree personality and his lack of, you know, gravity to the decisions that he's making. It, it comes from that. So um, I would love to see this Thor carry on, you know, uh, or, or some version of this story carry on, you know, 
in Loki in uh, in in Endgame, the importance of Frigga as a character and her impact on Loki as a character, mm-hmm. Thor as a character, you know, has been stated. You know, it, it's it's been shown, and so a universe where she's still around and still influencing things could be good and would be interesting to see it, it cross over. So uh, it's so hard to tell which of these, th- which of these threads they're going to follow through. And every time I think that there's going to be a tie in, it's not there yet, but you know, like we said, this episode appears to be feeding straight into the eighth episode. Maybe they will do a situation where seven, eight, and nine tie together to sort of put a, a fine bow on season one of what if maybe they tie back to episode one at some point, uh, during these last three episodes. And then it all starts to come into focus. Um, which would be good. I think that would be a good way to go, but who, mm-hmm. who knows really hear me out. They've never done this before, but what if there were big portals, um, that appear in the next episode as Thor is approaching Ultron evil vision and what if the portals someone shouts something like on your right and they all start appearing what do you think yeah that's very original okay good would be groundbreaking for sure something that's (laughs) never been done cinematically uh that i can recall so yes yeah I, i i like it kirk you're a visionary Okay, good. I'm going to copyright that because I think we are on to something here, something For very sure. big. The biggest, my favorite thing about this episode, it's um, it's quite shocking. Every time this happens, um, I feel like this innate um, home uh, passion uh, that that not does not happen very often for people where we live. They they have a big highlight of the St. Louis gateway arch yeah, buddy. in this episode. <laughs> I know. I was like, of all the landmarks to show, they show them putting back together the gateway arch with a, with a decently accurate uh, depiction of the St. Louis skyline. So yes, it gave me some warm fuzzies. I was like, Hey home. that's nice. That's really nice. Thor took time out of his day with his friends to destroy our uh, man-made masterpiece. And for that, I thank him. Yes. I mean, you had, had to do it, right? Because Eros Aronin is a, a genius, the architect of the Gateway Arch. Of course we know this because we live here. Yeah, and I think being from Asgard, definitely drawn to large gates, large yes. bridges, you know, things like that. That, that. that Those are things that would catch their eye. So I think it feels feels appropriate from a character perspective that Thor would see that and be like, Ooh, what do we got going I on really, here? I really think one of the animators must have been from St. Louis. Because, oh, no so doubt. First, the arch is a slingshot. And then when he puts it back together, I kid you not, the construction of putting it back together looks like an image from the original construction in the sixties. I, I, I kid you not. It's incredible. Yeah, I agree. It ha- there has to be a tie in. We need to fish for that. We need to fish for it hard in the IMDV um, archives. Yes, I'm gonna. We're gonna find you. We see you, and we respect you, and we will highlight you hopefully again. But without further ado, let's get into a big part of this uh, this episode uh, straight into the crumbs because this supersedes a lot of what we've already talked about, but we haven't talked about it yet. Captain Marvel, yeah, Carol Danvers, uh, Brie Larson, but not Brie Larson's voice. Um, we'll get to that, but Captain Marvel in this episode versus Thor, they have like th- almost like three fights, like long drawn out, not long cause it's only a 30 minute episode, but, um, big, big fights where you think one of them is going to best the other 
and they don't. Uh, you have Thor, who has not unlocked his, you know, lost eye, Ragnarok, uh, electric um, summoning, you know, of lightning. And you have uh, Brie Larson, who effectively is stronger than Thor in this sense, but he is an Asgardian god. So it's kind of interesting to see them playing at the same level. Um, what do you, what do you, th- what do you think about their fights, uh, how they played out, and what that looks like going forward in? potentially episode eight with them together. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the fights. I love, I want them to do, this is what I wanted them to do. And what if, you know, like I want them to do things that they can't do in the MCU, things that you would love to see, but just would never make sense in the plot. Captain Marvel and Thor fighting checks that box because we feel pretty far away from that right now. There, there was a time where that could have made sense in the movies, but we're sort of beyond that now. Um, so this was the place to do it. And they did it in a very, you know, Dragon Ball Z anime style, uh, way, you know, they go out into a big clearing in the desert and they're shooting blasts of energy at each other. So that was right up my alley. Um, you know, at first I thought they were alluding to the fact that Captain Marvel, could be bested by this version of Thor, which I was like, heck no, uh, you know, there's no way. But then she sort of alluded to the fact that she was pulling punches the whole time because she didn't want to, you know, blow a hole in the earth, which I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I mean, I think Captain Marvel should always, I shouldn't say always, but Captain Marvel should in most cases be more powerful than Thor in a matchup with the exception of maybe the fact that our current Marvel MCU Thor has unlocked some ancient abilities and just uh, is a more well-rounded character at this point. So he's probably unlocked some inner strength as well. So it might be a fairer fight in the MCU, but this Captain Marvel should definitely be stronger than Thor. And I think that that was the case. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I want to get back to the voice cast. This might be the best voice cast we've had. It, it had most of the original cast. Uh, the only missing people from the leads were Rene Russo as Frigga. And again, as I said, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, which I just want to throw not shade, but just question marks because it's like, you know, when this stuff was filmed, recorded, um, wasn't everyone just like locked away? Like why, why weren't they able to record their roles? I don't understand. It is a decent question and one that I do not know the answer to. I mean, obviously (laughs) Brie Larson has been doing a ton of work for Marvel. She made an appearance at the end of Shang-Chi. She's working on the Marvels right now with Nia DaCosta directing. So, you would think that she'd be available. Who who knows? Obviously, um, but yeah, it's it's weird. Like the people who didn't voice their characters are not the people you would expect. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's seemingly random at times um, because there are huge stars that are doing it, and there are also huge stars that are not. So it's just like uh, who knows? They're busy people. Maybe it just didn't work out. I guess so. I just, uh, I kind of expected Rene Russo not to, you know, get out of bed for that. But I mean, Brie Larson, you're still contracted for so many more things. Like you, you just got to do it. I know you're best actress. I know you're our BFF, but um, kudos to the girl who did uh, voice her because at the beginning half of this episode, I thought it was her. And then there was some kind of step down in her voice. And I'm like, that's not Brie Larson. Uh, but it really did sound like a look like right at the front, front yeah. of it. So. Bravo. I 
but I agree with you. I think the I think the voice cast was great. I was glad that we got most of our Thor peeps back. Um, you know, even Jeff Goldblum as as Grandmaster. I think he had like two yes. lines. Yes. Same with Taika Waititi as Korg. Um, the one I'm keeping a close eye on is Seth Green returning as Howard the Duck yet again. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on that, Kirk. <laughs> Since we're in the crumbs, I can talk about this. Seth Green has voiced Howard the Duck in every MCU appearance by the character so far, which really is just um, a cartoon Guardians of the Galaxy thing they did and a couple of cameo appearances in the James Gunn Guardians films. But I totally think there's Howard the Duck material coming in some oh in some gosh. form at some point, even if it's just like a holiday special or something. I think there will be some live action Howard the Duck programming of some kind, whether it be a TV show. I don't know if it'll be a movie unless it's like Howard the duck and squirrel girl, which is totally on the, on the table. Um, but he he's, he's on his way and it will be Seth green for sure. Maybe there are big plans for the, you know, the guardians holiday special that'll be coming out. And I think 2023. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that right? Oh dude, that'd be great. That's actually a perfect place to intro him or they could fold him into Deadpool, which would be perfect. Also, yes. um, so many opportunities, but it's, it's, it's coming for sure. Fantastic. And then the last thing we've touched on this before, but uh, we already, we've already seen, you know, a kind of an evil vision in Wanda vision, of course. Um, but now we get vision kind of encased in this Ultron suit. It's kind of a question of who's controlling who um, is Ultron controlling vision. Did he capture him? Did vision lose his mind? And he has summoned the Ultron army and is controlling them um, has having collected all of the, uh, infinity stones and ready to just destroy Thor, uh, just ready to go. The question is, why does he seek out Thor specifically um, in this moment? Uh, is it just happenstance that he happens to come across it, or did he know that him and him and uh, you know Doctor Jane Foster holds the key to maybe Shiar still had the ether, or maybe they ended up in the wrong timeline? There's lots of questions I have here. Um, which let's start with the first one. Which do you think is it an evil vision or an evil Ultron controlling vision? Which way do you think it's going? Who's the who's the master? I think it's the latter of the two, that it's an evil Ultron slash vision thing. Um mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting how they play it because I think in in an age of Ultron, the the goal is to sort sort of show vision and Ultron as as two poles of the same, you know, each one polarized against the other. They're complete yin and yang. They balance each other out. One is like a completely logic driven person that operates on the good. And the other is a completely logic driven, you know, machine person who operates on the bad, you know, Mm -hmm. it's supposed to show that like you need a human being, uh, with good intentions to help save the world. You know, it's supposed to be a good, like warm, fuzzy humans are necessary. And, and uh, you know, AIs mess things up type of thing. And even if they're not perfect, that's still better than what the alternative is, etc. So it'll be interesting how they play that here with them being sort of like one being, but Ultron is one of the great villains in all Marvel history. I thought they actually did a really great job with him though they kind of minimized him a little bit in the MCU. Uh, so it'll, I think they have to play off that character and, and, and really like take advantage of this opportunity to play with that character again. So I think it will be 
I think it will be the latter. But I'm very intrigued to see how they go about it, no doubt. Yes, yes. And potentially with the next episode, episode eight being the penultimate episode, we could very well see, I like your thinking, episode seven feeding into eight, feeding into nine, and everyone starts to trail back in here. And we could see a very explosive ending to to a very slow build of seemingly different, completely different universes with no tie-ins. They very well could leave us with that. They very well could leave us by the end of this series with nothing. And I don't know that Marvel would do that. I really don't think they would. Um, We may not touch back on all of the universes that we've seen and all the different timelines, but definitely... I think they tie in some or they show us that some converge at different points. That's yeah. The goal. And I think that, I think that they owe it to what they have done with their other properties, particularly the show Loki to put a finer point on this story as like, okay, Loki and Thor being growing up together is necessary for the gal- for the universe to go down the right path or, or whatever as as we know it and here's why. Like this episode positions it in such a way that like Loki's out of the picture and that seemingly has very minimal repercussions, right? Like everything that gets messed up gets put back together and it's all like haha, <laughs> you know, like everything's <laughs> fine, but Part of what makes the Loki story so compelling in that show and in the comics also is this idea that he was born to lose so that everyone else could succeed. You know, he was born to fail, you know, at the expense of himself so that Thor could rise above and be the great leader that was necessary or so the Avengers could rise above and save the earth. You know, it's not him suffering for no cost. So like that, that still has to be intact. So I, I, that's what I'm looking for in the next episode is like, okay, yeah, we had fun in episode seven and we should, but let's figure out what this world actually looks like without Loki and Thor growing up together. Like if Thor doesn't have the arc that he has, how does that impact him as a, as a hero? And how does that impact the universe as a, as a result? Um, right. So I'm hoping they explore that a little bit more and I would love for the next three episodes to tie in. So let's, let's all cross our fingers and toes for that one. And toes. Hmm. I don't, I don't just know for I extra good juju. You know what I mean? I mean, I can pop my toes like without using my hands, but I don't know if I could just That's cross impressive. my toes. Thank you. I'll sometime have to show it uh, <laughs> on the next episode of what if Kirk will start <laughs> popping all 10 toes. Yeah. Whenever no we'll, hands. we'll save that for number nine, whenever it like doesn't tie in and we're, we're back to square one or <laughs> we'll be like, all right, now Kirk's going to do his stupid human trick of popping his toes without using his hands. It's going to be great. Yes. You remember Stanley's superhuman show. <laughs> this <laughs> is our version of it. I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next time for the penultimate episode, episode eight of what if streaming on Disney plus I'm Chris Hemsworth and that is Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Yep, that's me, Mark Ruffalo. (laughs) That was not even a good Thor voice. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.